Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Chris. And I would like to, before I start, just give a hearty thank you for your support, for your confidence in me. And it is a, it's definitely an honor and a privilege to even be considered for this. Um, Regardless of what the Lord calls me to do, anytime I'm doing God's work, I take it seriously. And I'm very devoted to it. Um, What I'm going to do tonight is, I'm sure a good portion of you, most of you have read the uh, biography that was in the bulletin and and things that are possibly online. So I just want to go down that again. And I'll just share my testimony in it as I go. And just uh, expound on it a little bit more. Um, I was born in Denton, North Carolina, down Davidson County uh, in 1958. And we lived in Davidson County until I was 12 years old. And in 1970 is when we moved to Wilkes. Uh, when, when we lived in Davidson County, I attended Fairview Methodist Church. My father was, all his family attended the church there, the Methodist Church. So that's just where we, uh, of course, I was basically born into the church, you might say. Uh, in 1970, when we moved to Wilkes, we moved to the Brushy Mountain community. And as most of you know, Wilkes County, Baptist churches kind of outnumber everything else <laughs> by several to one. And uh, there were four Baptist churches on the Brushies and no Methodists. And so in order for us to, uh, if we was going to attend a Methodist church, we'd had to drove all the way into town. So, and all the neighbors and the friends up there were so warm and inviting. And, and I think we were invited to probably all four of those churches. Uh, but we decided to start attending Bethany Baptist Church. It did not take long until I started feeling the difference. And uh, I know if my mother and father was here today, they would probably tell you the same thing. Now, I'm not here by any means to the nomination bash. But when we went to the Baptist church and started feeling the Baptist love and the Baptist faith, then we just started feeling the Spirit, feeling the Spirit of God move, something that we hadn't ever really experienced there before. And so uh, with that, I was saved in 1971. I was uh, joined uh, Bethany Baptist Church and was baptized in the ice-cold Brushy Mountain spring water. So, uh, so that, was, that basically just tells the start of my uh, walk with God and my salvation. Um, and by the way, this was not in the uh, biography I wrote. Uh, I did graduate from Wilkes Central High School in 1976 and Wilkes Community College in 1978. And I also did some, after I was called to preach, I did some uh, uh, correspondence course with Andersonville Theological Seminary, and I did do their Bachelor's in Theology program and earned that. Uh, and by the way, all my, uh, my wife Sandra, she graduated from Wilkes Central also. All three of my children, they went to Wilkes Central and um, Wilkesboro Elementary and I think Woodward at the time is where they went. Um, some of you, I, I, don't, I know we have at least one teacher here in the church that taught some of my kids and maybe some others. 
If you are, I'm sorry. But, you know, <laughs> what we can do. But it's good to know they did. They all turned out great. We have great children. We have three. Uh, all three of them are adults now. Uh, Wesley and Andrew are boys. Wesley's the oldest. And then Autumn, my youngest one's daughter. I did marry Sandra in 1977. And um, we held 45 years in here next month. And she has been a great asset and just a great spiritual uplifting all throughout my ministry. And uh, so I'm so thankful, so thankful for that. She was my high school sweetheart. So um, getting back to my testimony a little bit, as so many young people and especially boys, you know, when I hit my teenage years and early adult life, I, I did not always walk as close to God as I should. Uh, you know, I didn't just get in a lot of trouble, do a lot of things bad, anything like that. But, you know, I, I maybe not attend church quite as regularly as I should, didn't read my Bible enough, didn't pray enough. But, you know, I always felt the hand of God on me. And I would have people that uh, I went to school with, some of my friends and things, and, and sometimes they'd say things like, you know, you're just a little bit different. I was, I was a little bit slower to anger, maybe a little bit uh, nicer. I, I had sympathy for somebody, you know, where maybe they wanted to tease someone or bully someone a little bit. You know, I had that sympathy for them and, and things of this sort. And so for that reason, I just, you know, at the time, you could probably th just chalk it up to saying, well, this is just personality. That's just the way it is. But, you know, I look back now, and I think the hand of God was always on me. And I do believe what Jesus said in uh, John 10, 28. Once we're saved, no man can pluck us from that hand. And so I do believe that he continued uh, to keep his hand on me. In the early 80s when, and I can credit a lot of this to children coming along, um, we started getting closer back into God's house and I rededicated my life and I started serving uh, different roles there at the church and I guess the more so than serving as, you know, Sunday school teachers, and I think I was Sunday school director there for a while, um, but even more than that was I started growing in my faith. I started growing closer to God. I started to, uh, I started to read God's Word. You know, I, I would catch myself just... It's almost like it come natural as a habit. You know, I'd, just, I'd sit down, I'd pick up God's Word and start reading it. Uh, I was just sharing with Chris a few moments ago. I, I traveled a lot in my work. I would, you know, probably have an hour, hour and a half drive each way every day, depending on where I was working at. So I did a lot of praying with my eyes open. But I talked to God a lot on those journeys. And uh, just, just that meditation and praying and talking to God uh, I, I really felt my uh, uh, spiritual life growing. In 1991, I was asked to be a deacon at Bethany Baptist Church. And I think that that was a life-changing experience for me because I just felt so unworthy. And when I went, uh, uh, Bill Nicholson was the pastor, and when he met with myself and the other candidate, um, the first thing I told him was how I felt, that I, didn't, I just did not feel worthy. 
And what he told me has stuck with me all these years. Bill and I, some of you may have knew he's a big guy. Looked like Matt Dillon. He pointed his finger right in our face. And he said, if you felt worthy, we wouldn't want you. And you see, that changed my life because I realized at that point that God could use little old me. Because, see, I I did not bring anything to the table. I didn't bring any righteousness to the table. It was only his righteousness that was important. So I realized that he could use me. And um, so I served as a a, a deacon there for a few years. And and I had another real life-changing experience. My, My walk with God has been a growing thing. And I'm going to finish up today by reading a couple verses of Scripture out of the book of Peter. I love to read about Peter. The only thing I love better than reading the books of Peter is reading about Peter. You know, he was, he was but my life is a little bit like his because, you know, as we read the stories of Peter in the gospel, he just continues to grow, don't he? Oh, he, he does some, what we might call some dumb things. Guess what? I've done a lot of dumb things, Chris. <laughs> but I continued to grow. But from the time I was ordained as a deacon up until about 1995, I did some running from the Lord. I did some struggling. I would spend a lot of times sitting in the living room, either before the family got up or after all the family went to bed, crying my eyes out and reading God's Word and praying and talking to Him because I knew that I wasn't considered uh, completely in the center of His will and what He wanted me to do. You've heard preachers talk about this, running from the Lord. But I prayed about, even about preaching or about missionary work, whatever, and nothing just, nothing fit. So then one Sunday morning in 1995, I was on the next of the last pew at Bethany Baptist Church one of those strong messages I had to sit on that last pew because we did have the rowdy kids I tell people there's probably some dents in that pew where I hung on to it because I just I did not want to give in to God but finally I gave in and I prayed right there and I said Lord whatever it is I will I will do it just use me the way that you see fit I did not testify. I did not say a word to anyone. Didn't even tell Sandra or anybody about it. Did not go to the altar and pray. But I surrendered. Two nights later, on Tuesday evening, about supper time, the phone rang. It was Brother Donald Henry. And he said, I'd like to ask you to be a Gideon. And of course, as you can imagine, and, the right, and this is the correct way to do it, he said, I don't want an answer now. I want you to pray about it, and I'll talk to you soon. Of course, I told him later, as soon as that phone rung, I knew it was the call from God. We did join the Gideons. Joined as life members. At the time, there was less than 10 life members in the whole state of North Carolina, but I and Sandra kind of agreed with me on this. The only way we wanted out was to be called to preach or carried out in the pine box. 
that was how dedicated I was to it. So we joined the Gideons, and I actually served with our other two candidates, Steve and Marsh. There's Marsh. I told them last week, just kidding them, I said, you just can't get rid of me, you know. I said, I'm like a bad penny, just keep turning up. But uh, uh, Brother Terry, he was, he was in the Gideons. And, and I know we have several other Gideons here. I'm not sure if any of them were active and in, in the Gideons when I was. But I did serve with some other great people, some other great mentors. Brother Steve mentioned one last week, Bob Morgan and Lynn, Max and Ann Friedman. Anybody in here know them? Yeah, oh, yeah. John and Norma Jean. Great people. Great friends. Great mentors. People that just took us in and loved us. And for the sake of time, I'll not share this story. Norma Jean and my wife, they did spend time in jail together. <laughs> they went on a visit one time and got locked in. <laughs> so, so uh, but that's always our little running joke on them. But uh, what great mentors, what great people they were. We loved them, loved them all. Um, then my next step was on November the 15th. 1998. I was talking to some people today, and I've talked to a couple since I've even been here tonight. It's so hard for me to believe, or so hard for me to understand people that does not believe in the Spirit of God and how it moves, and what God does, and how He answers prayers, and things of this sort. I served in the Gideons. I was Memorial Bible Chairman. I was the area coordinator, I think is what they called it, for Memorial Bible. I was even camp president until, but that didn't last long, because about two months after that, I was called to preach. So uh, put me in as camp president. But on November the 15th, 1998, about 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord just woke me up. And friends, it was just like he was, I was talking to you. I could hear him that plain. And he just said, son, time to go to preach. I got up. I spent about probably two, maybe three hours praying, reading God's word, trying to seek his guidance. But I decided that I'd already gone through all that misery. I wasn't going to run anymore. So I surrendered the call to preach on my living room floor, down on my knees, about 6 o'clock that morning. It was a Sunday morning. After I woke Sandra up, I told her. I went to church that morning. I announced my calling. They uh, licensed me on Wednesday evening, and I preached my first sermon the next Sunday. So uh, Brother Don Blevins was the pastor there, and he didn't, he believed in, if you said go, let's go. So uh, next Sunday I preached. And uh, Matthew 14, taking a step of faith. I was called a little over a year after that. I was called in uh, February of 2000 to Liberty Baptist Church, which is on the Brushy Mountains, just on down kind of on the backside. I served five and a half years there. When I felt like that uh, I had accomplished all that God would have me to do there and it was time to move on. We went back to Bethany. 
I served as a Sunday school teacher, Sunday school director, uh, youth director. That was a that was a sight there too. You know, I was 50 years old at the time. You know, why do you want a 50 year old youth director? But you know, not to me to argue with God, because He had a plan, and we had some great teenagers. We've seen a lot of people saved there during that period of time. So uh, God used us. I, I think back a lot on the uh, on those callings, and I think about the especially the calling into the Gideon ministry. We have in our finite minds, we have these ideas that, and, and I look back now, this was the idea I had. God, you tell me what you want me to do, and I'll tell you if I can do it. How <laughs> God don't work that way. You see, as soon as I surrendered and said, whatever it is, he told me what to do. God wants our all. He, he, he wants, when we surrender to him, he wants us to surrender to him. Uh, and then after I've been there for two or three years serving at Bethany, at the end of 09, when the, I think the end of September probably is when the fiscal year for the church ended, and they went to put in the new officers. We just felt like it was time for us to move on again. So I asked the church, I said, don't, we don't want to take any more positions, you know, uh, deal us out. And we was, and sure enough, about four or five months later, we was called to Maple Grove Baptist Church. Went up there in uh, February of 2010, served seven and a half years there until I felt like that we had got to where we could go and the church felt like we was where we could go to. And so uh, I resigned up there. I began coming here then on October the 8th of 2017. I think we went to one other church. Just We was invited somewhere, and we just went to visit one other church before we came here. Uh, as um, Chris said, I actually joined just, I think we joined the week before COVID hit. <laughs> so so our, our joining and getting the letters, that was about a two-year process, I think. But uh, uh, we... Let me say this, we have found a home. I don't think there's no question. And we have, uh, we've discussed this quite a bit, how that we have, we are so happy and so content here. And we just feel like this is where God would have us to be. We're at peace with it. Um, a couple of things I want to share with you beyond testimony is just a little bit of my, my beliefs. Of course, my beliefs parallel most of yours. I do believe in the Baptist faith and message. Um, I preached a message a few years ago, and I've done it several times, especially when I go to a new church or maybe even for a revival. You know, I, sometimes I'll start out with this type of message. Uh, but the message I preach the most, I use Romans 10, 9, and 10 as Scripture. Romans 10, 9, and 10 basically just tells us how to be saved. Simple as that. It's a lot like John 3.16. It's pretty much the gospel wrapped up in a couple short verses. And as I do that, then I go on to explain through that what I do believe. Uh, there was a song came out a few years ago. Uh, Gold City uh, did this song. And I want to I share with you the first line or a line of the course of that. Mike, I'm not going to sing it. 
Okay, I want you to stay, so I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to read it. I believe in the blessed hope, the book and the blood, and there is no other way. Jesus is the Son of God, and He's coming back someday. Now, that's pretty much the gospel too wrapped up, isn't it? I believe in the blessed hope. I believe we have... Chris preached so great last Wednesday evening about how that we look around about us today in this world and we see all the things that's happening. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to see all the, the violence and all the fighting and all the bickering and things of this sort. But friends, we have a hope. We have a hope that is found in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I did a funeral service today and I, I preached out of 1 Peter chapter 1 about that lively hope that Peter wrote about. The blessed hope, the book. I do believe wholeheartedly in this book. I, I was, when Pastor Chris said, what, six, eight months before COVID hit, he said, we're going to start the Bible doctrine. I said, hallelujah. I have seen in so many churches, so many different settings, the lack of knowledge of Bible doctrine. Now, I don't know it all. I've learned a lot from this young man right here. But I believe we need to, and I think that's what Paul wrote to Timothy about studying to show yourself approved. We need to study this doctrine and we need to know what this doctrine is. It amazes me at the churches I go to and I see the people that uh, either they don't know the doctrine or they're not exercising it. And I'm not talking casual church members. I'm talking leaders in the church and even deacons. I might, have, might even find a preacher or two that don't know all the doctrine. So I do believe in the book. And of course, I do believe in the blood and that Jesus is the Son of God. And you know that little thing I read there, that part of that song, he says there is no other way. I believe there's no other way to get to heaven, to, to stand before God justified but through the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I believe that wholeheartedly. Two other strong points that I just want to stress a little bit. These are, I had a, my fifth grade teacher, she called them pet peeves. This is my pet peeves. This is what I really stress. Number one is prayer. I believe in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I shared my testimony with you concerning the Gideon call and how when I prayed and, and turned it over to God, immediately, He used me. The same thing happened basically being called to be an a, a elder here. I spent some extra time a few weeks ago on Wednesday morning after I did my Bible study and probably studied my Sunday school lesson a little, and I spent a little extra time in prayer just talking to the Lord, looking for guidance. Lord, what is it you would have me to do? Wednesday evening, Chris called me. 
I can give you example and example and example of answered prayers. I believe God answers prayers. I know now he does answer them in his time. He answers them in his own way. I've seen people come to church for the first time and I know somebody is there praying for them and that's the first time they've been there and maybe even the first time somebody's prayed for them and they accept the Lord as their Savior. I've seen people come for years and years and years before they accept the Lord as their Savior. I've seen a 90-year-old, almost a 90-year-old man come to know the Lord because of prayer. I had an uncle who was over 80 years old. He come to know the Lord because of prayer. I believe, my friends, in the power of prayer. And with that, let me say this. Church, when you go to vote for me and these other men, you pray about it. You seek God's guidance on it. Because it's not about me. It's about Him. The second thing is I do believe in faithfulness, faithfulness to God's house, especially when you're serving. One of the, uh, um, you know, deacons, the elders, when, when we change churches, every time that we uh, resign from uh, pastoral duty or whatever, you know, we, we never missed a Sunday. We was in church that Sunday somewhere. We try to, and of course sometimes we can't always do this, but we do our best when we take vacations and stuff. We'll always be back on Sunday. Sometimes if we are gone for a full week, for example, when we rent a, if we rent a house at the beach or something for a full week, we'll find a church down there and go to. Believe in being faithful to God's house. In fact, one of, uh, I believe in the, I believe this job is elders and deacons. Uh, I believe in being faithful in that. One of the biggest conflicts I had at the first church I pastored was we had a young man that started coming to the church and he had been ordained as a deacon many years ago before and had left that church and some of his family members said we need to put him in for a deacon this guy come to church maybe once every four to six weeks his wife and kids they may become half the time he did I had to say a firm no Absolutely not. And this is what Chris has been preaching to us uh, there in uh, 1 Timothy 3. they got to be proven. I believe in faithfulness to God's house. I want to read in closing just a couple verses of Scripture. Let me... Our pastor, bless his heart, he's a man of faith to give a Baptist preacher a pulpit and a microphone and a Bible and a congregation and say, go ahead and read some scripture. I'm, I'm going to read two verses, but I'm not going to preach long. 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. He, uh, Chris has preached in Timothy about the elders, but Peter mentions them here too. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as the partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as, willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Them two little verses of Scripture, there's four great things in there. First of all, the testimony. Peter says... He was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. 
I believe as an elder, as a deacon, as a worker in the church, I believe as any Christian, we are called to be witnesses for Christ. And we're called to be witnesses. And the greatest thing that we can do when we're witnessing for Christ is to tell the person you're witnessing to what God has done for you. Peter had saw the sufferings that Jesus had went through. He had heard the teachings that Jesus had taught them. And he was going to share these as a witness of these sufferings. The second thing he mentions, he says, among you. Friends, the greatest thing I want to be is part of the family of God. And then I want to be a member and a part of the family here at Wilkesboro Baptist Church. As an elder, I don't, will never feel that I'm anything above anyone in any higher standard than anyone. Maybe a higher standard as far as my activities, obviously. The bottom line is I'm no better than anyone. I just want to be one of you. And I think, you know, that's why Jesus came down to earth to be one of us, so he could serve us. He came to earth and what Paul tell the Philippians, he took the form of a servant, didn't he? I want to be a servant for you. Whatever, uh, you know, whatever direction, whatever role God would have me, I just want to serve you. The third thing he said, to be willing. And as per God's direction, I want to be willing to serve, and I am willing to serve, but I want God to lead me. There's going to be a lot of uh, future situations always come up that we don't necessarily know the answer to. And I have people sometimes that come to the altar to pray and, and, and they would have something. Say, what should I do? What should I do? My first reaction is, I have no idea. But guess what? I know somebody that does. And that's why I always want to be not only willing to serve, but I want to serve the way God wants me to serve. I want to seek His guidance. And then obviously, as he finishes up here, he says, not for personal gain. I'm, I have nothing to gain from this other than to serving. I'm not doing this. I didn't even accept this opportunity for any glory for myself. But I want to do it for His glory. His glory and His alone. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today so thankful, so grateful, Lord, for this opportunity to stand and speak. Lord, what a blessing it is to stand and to read your Scripture and just proclaim your name. Lord, you have been so good to us. I have been so blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do. And Lord, we just pray through the remainder of this service, you'll just lead God and direct, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Yes, I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind to have a seat right up there with that yeah. microphone. I'm going to ask you one or two questions.
and then give you as a congregation an opportunity to ask a question or two as well. So, uh, Vince, you mentioned that you've been a deacon, a Gideon, and now a pastor, and now you are, have been presented as a candidate for elder. What's the difference between a deacon and an elder in your mind, or a deacon and a pastor? Uh, personally, I think the from what I have studied and through your teachings and reading God's Word and praying and meditation, I really think the <clears throat> elder will be a little more of a spiritual role uh, and, and maybe a spiritual role supported to not only all the church members, but even the deacons uh, and, and the rest of the pastoral staff. And I think we should be, as an elder, we should have that um, ability if we need to, not only to witness, but also to help other people in need, uh, to take some of the load off of the, the one pastor and the pastoral staff. Let me ask one more question, and then we'll open it up for you as congregation members. You know, uh, our elder candidates are a, a unique mixture, I think, in the life of our church. Steve and, and Marsh both have been longtime church members here at Wilkesboro Baptist and served as deacons for many years. You've been here a little shorter time, and your path to being here is kind of through the ministry, right? Um, what are some of the gifts that, that you believe God has given you, and how can you use those gifts, or how do you maybe anticipate using those gifts in the life of our church? Well, uh, I feel like that, and as you said, I realize Brother Steve and Brother Marsh has been members here a long time. And I have not. My experience is a lot different from theirs. But through my ministry for the last 40, well, basically all of my adult life, I've been very closely associated with three churches. And I really think my gifts is going to come from those experiences. Um, I have worked on everything from building projects. We've seen churches grow. We, uh, the last church I pastored, we did something similar to what we just did here this summer where we changed bylaws and amended bylaws and things of this sort. Um, so we've had some, I've seen some great things like that happen. Um, unfortunately, in that particular time, we've seen some things that maybe wasn't quite as pleasant. We've seen members fall from grace. We've even had, I even had one church, I had an embezzlement situation we had to, had to rectify. So I just feel like those outside experiences uh, would bring a little bit more to the table. I understand that Steve and Marsh, they're, they're going to have the experience. They know the people here. They know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a widow person here that I know, you know, they know, know their spouse maybe and, and things of this sort. So, so there's a lot of advantages they're going to have in that respect. But I think we need that diversity of the different, different gifts. Questions from you as a congregation member? If you have one, you'll raise your hand. Dustin's got a microphone. Make sure everybody can hear. Like last week, not all at once, folks. Somebody's got to have a question. Who do you pull for in college sports? Or do you pull for anybody? I, I did tell Chris the other day, I said, 
do not ask me any college sports questions. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I just want you to know, we, we believe in diversity of likes and tastes, okay? My son, Nathan, leaned over to me this past Sunday and said, the only reason you asked Steve Melton to be an elder is because he likes the UNC Tar Heels. I said, uh, I said, it's a good reason to ask someone. No, no. I said, I said, I do like the fact that he likes the Tar Heels, but we have a diversity here. Uh, Marshall Lyle, I believe, you went to Wake Forest University, am I right? So, so you, you are a deacon, thankfully not a demon deacon. Uh, we're grateful for that, but we have a diversity here, and Tad is definitely not a North Carolina Tar Heel, so, uh, so it, 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 it's, not a, it's not a requisite. Question? Thank you for sharing all that stuff with us, and it's really neat to get to know the heart of the, those who are coming up as, as elders. This question, I, I have a hard time asking it, but I feel like I, I have to ask it in this process. For all those churches that you've gone to and that you have left, have you left them all on good terms with their blessing? And if not, can you explain the circumstances of why not? Uh, when I left Maple Grove, there was some uh, contention. Uh, there was some accusations. Uh, and, but we, I guess through that, we reached a mutual agreement that it was time to depart. Um, I, I felt like I could have uh, stayed a little longer, and I felt like that they, some of the things that they accused me of, I didn't really think was correct. I didn't feel like they did everything correct. Uh, and I'm sure if you ask them, they might say, I didn't do everything correct either. Uh, I will say this concerning that, I am a long ways from perfect. And I think I'll, another thing, I think this is a great reason to have this polarity of elders is to, um, you know, we, we keep each other checked. So. Accountable, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that question, Peter. Uh, the question had to do with uh, the nature of, of leaving those churches. Uh, folks, I've been a part of Baptist churches my entire life. Uh, my dad, as I've shared before in sermons, was asked to leave a Baptist church uh, for reasons that uh, were less than qualified reasons. Uh, over the last five years, Vince and I have talked about that situation at Mabel Grove on at least two specific occasions. And when we interviewed him as a candidate, uh, Al and Tad and I went into detail, great detail with Vince about that circumstance. And I'll be quite honest with you, I don't believe at all that any of the reasons that that, that situation ended the way it did had to do with Vince's character had to do with his leadership, had to do with anything that, that was a warranted situation. One of the things, and you've been around churches long enough to know, a lot of times people who are leading churches are not the most spiritually qualified, and I don't mean necessarily the person that's preaching. I mean persons that are involved in leadership in the life of the church. And that can create all sort of tensions and difficulties. And I, I've watched that in way too many Baptist churches over, over my days. We don't have that here, and I'm grateful for that. And um, so um, I, I think if you wanted to, you could ask Vince a little more personally and candidly, but I'll be quite honest with you based on the conversations that Alan, Tad, and I had with Vince. I don't think it's necessary for you to go into all that here in this setting. That's, that's my take, and I'm, I, I, that's what I'll just, I'll leave it there. 
Thank you, Peter. That's a good question, necessary one too. Very fair question. Other questions? I was wondering, how do you see our church 10 years from now? You're asking, how do you see our church 10 years from now? Are you talking to me or Vince? <laughs> yeah, you want to answer that? <laughs> um. I was just sharing with Chris just earlier. And obviously none of us, none of us know the future. However... After Chris's sermon last week, last Wednesday night, and he talked about all the negative, the divisions in the country, the, all these things that are going on, and then he went on to the hope that we had. And that's where I see our church as a... Um, I, I think a, a lot of that division is going to continue, and I think we need to really press getting people... Uh, well, obviously, reaching people for Christ, that, that is the answer. But that will bring the unity and things of this sort. And I think we need to be doing that. Um, obviously, with the growth that we've seen here in the last year or so, I, I just I look forward to seeing it continue. Um, and the, 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 when I was discussing this with Chris earlier, I think the thing that I mentioned to him was a lot of people looks at the world today and, you know, they say the future is not very bright, but I will just be very blunt about it. I'm very excited because when things go like this, I think this is when we see God work the greatest. And I'd like to see God work through this church. I think we have time for one more if there's another question. If not, I'm a Baptist preacher. I can always fill up two minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Lord bless you. Um, Thank you. So uh, Vince will be leading in the prayer time in our worship services uh, a week from Sunday. So that'd be November 20th. I believe that's what we had on the calendar. Is that right, Vince? November the 20th. And then his vote would be on Sunday morning, November the 27th. Um, as always, you're welcome to speak to him after the service tonight. Ask him any more pointed questions that you have. As you see him around, he teaches a Sunday school class at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. So you're welcome to catch him on a Sunday morning after Sunday school or in between service and ask him any question uh, about, about him serving in the role of, of lay elder here at Wilkesboro Baptist Church. Um, uh, uh, we've been doing some reading about kind of the structure and where we're headed. And one of the books that I, I was reading put it this way when it described the difference between elders and staff and, uh, and deacons. What is an elder supposed to do? What are elders supposed to do? Well, they put it this way. They used this illustration. They said, if the church is like a bus, then the elders are supposed to set the direction for where the church is going, where the bus is going. They're setting the course. The staff are responsible for driving the bus, making sure it gets where it's going, 
And the deacons are responsible to make sure there's gas in the bus and the tires don't go flat and the things happen that need to happen in order for the bus to go in the right direction. I don't think that's a perfect illustration, but I think that's a pretty good illustration for what we're thinking about with a plurality of lay elders serving alongside our staff, overseeing our staff, overseeing our church, and then uh, leading and working with our deacons as we serve the congregation together in a variety of different ways. Uh, Tom Patton the other day was asking me this question. He said, Pastor, uh, what kind of decisions do you see that the elders would be making? What, what, what are you going to be doing? Well, part of that she had to be figured out because we don't have that in place and uh, we are working on that. But one of the, the answers I gave him is this. The elders are primarily responsible, as Vince mentioned, for the spiritual care of those in our congregation. Uh, Hebrews 13 says that uh, we will answer for the souls that God placed under our care. That means to a great degree, folks, as your pastor, I'm responsible for the nature, the care, the spiritual life of your soul. Now, you play a part in that too. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus and You have to obey and follow, and that's why the text says in Hebrews 13, Obey your leaders, for they watch over your souls. There's a a mutual responsibility between congregation and and pastors and church staff and all that. Uh, But I'm responsible for that. And we have about 800 and some members, and I don't know every one of them. And I don't know where they stand in their relationship with the Lord. And one particular reason for a plurality of lay elders, plurality of elders in life, our church, is so that we, as a body of elders, will be able to know the members of our congregation and how they're doing spiritually. To be quite honest with you, within a year or so, you ought to be able to ask our elders, how is so-and-so doing spiritually? Now, we may not be able to tell you everything about what's going on in their life, but as a body, we ought to be able to know who those are who have committed to be members at Wilkesboro Baptist Church. Uh, we do our best now, uh, but I think we'll be able to do a little better job of that as we spread out some of those ministries and some of those needs. Any more questions? If not, we'll get to the doctrinal lecture next week. That actually helped me out a little bit, Vince. I had a, had a kind of a, a, a rough start to our week. I had a son who was up sick for kind of two nights in a row. And uh, one night my wife got him, and the next night I got him, and the night I got him I didn't get much sleep at all. really didn't get any sleep, so... I'm, I'm working a little bit on fumes, and so Vince, I appreciate you sharing and the candor of what you shared and uh, encouraging us, and so we'll come back next week. Marsh will share next week, and uh, if we get time, we'll work through the, the Christological heresies that have happened in the life of the church, and I do have those spelled out. I didn't ask you to put the heresy name in the blank, the other, other information's in the blank, uh, but we'll do that next week. Thanks for being here. Good night. Oh, thank you. One more thing. Uh, Prior to COVID, when we had our Wednesday meal and Wednesday Bible study, we uh, asked you to kind of help us make sure that the tables and chairs were gathered up. That assisted Wade to be able to mop and vacuum or mop and sweep the floor and be ready to turn this room around. It's used about five different ways during the week. And so if you wouldn't mind, as you finish up this evening, would you just stack your chairs? And for those of you that know how, 
if you wouldn't mind to just drop the tables off in the, in the storage room right over here. That's something we're going to try to do each of the Wednesday nights coming up. One last bit of information for you. Tremendously important, a members meeting will happen in the life of our church Sunday evening, November the 20th. I keep reminding you of it, but we're going to be presenting to you the 2023 budget as well as some other information that you'll need kind of in the life of our church. Uh, and we'll do a finger food meal uh, for that members meeting or after that members meeting, rather, on Sunday evening, uh, November the 20th. The members meeting starts at 530. Uh, as soon as it's done, we'll come in here, bring your best finger foods. I like meatballs, by the way. My wife's, I'm going to try to talk her into making her barbecue meatballs. Bring whatever finger food you, ha- you have. We'll enjoy some fellowship after our meeting. Good night. God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.